When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. What a debacle in the desert, and it might even get worse on Monday. Hey, everyone. Welcome to the Rick and Tom podcast. Tom Jones, Rick Stroud. We're coming to you from Glendale, Arizona. We'll give you the latest on the Bucks train wreck on Sunday against the Cardinals. Also coming up today, we'll look back at another rough weekend in Gainesville. But good news for FSU and USF. And also, the Lightning's really got it cooking. But we have to start with what we just witnessed. Rick Stroud, a 38 the 33 Tampa Bay Bucks lost to the Arizona Cardinals. And truth be told, Rick, it really wasn't that close. No, it wasn't. And that's because they were trailing in this game 31 to nothing. And I mean, if you, you know, combine that with the previous four quarters in Glendale, uh, that was a 40 to seven score. You're talking, you know, outrageous amount of domination by the Cardinals. Look, that's not even the worst thing that potentially may have happened tonight is that, you know, Jameis Winston, who has made 37 starts in a row, Tom, finds himself now with a shoulder injury. He got hurt on the first series in a third down play, trying to extend the play, gets hit, uh, lands on his right shoulder. It's his throwing shoulder, comes to the sideline, tries to work it out, you know, t- tosses the ball a few times with Ryan Fitzpatrick and then goes back in the game for two more series and then just can't go because the pain of all things was was too too much for him. So Ryan Fitzpatrick has to finish up, and it was kind of a mop-up deal. I mean, I don't know how, Tom, they scored that many points in the second half, but it was like, you know, you knew this game was pretty much over when Jameis went out, and now you got to wonder, what does it mean for this franchise that is suddenly 2-3 and three without their franchise quarterback? And let's get something real clear right now because there's this feeling out there among some people that Jameis was actually pulled from the game, that they benched him, Dirk Cutter wasn't happy with him, and they're sort of using this injury as an excuse. I'm telling you right now, Rick, you talked to him after the game. I talked to him. We were standing there. He was beat up. He couldn't play. If this game was 10-10 going into the last five minutes, I, I – guarantee you Jameis Winston would not have been in that football game it had nothing to do with him being benched it had nothing to do with him not being able to to uh you know to to read that the Arizona defense whatever the case he was hurt that's why he didn't play well and all you have to do is go back to last year's Arizona game when they were down 40 to 7 and Dirk Cutter was still having him take shots as he's taking hits throwing Hail Marys and getting intercepted and we asked him about the wisdom in that move look Jameis Winston's going to be on the field. I mean, talking to Ryan Fitzpatrick after the game, he says, Oh, I, I mean, I, I can't really speak to when he got hurt or, or how, but I, can, I mean, the one thing I could say about him is, is he's one of the toughest guys ever, I've ever played for so, or played with. You know, so for him to have to come out of a game, uh, you know, that, that was killing him. And, and I just wanted to do him right. I wanted to go out there and, and play well for him because I know how much he loves this game and how much this team means to him. And, you know, so I was. I'm upset we didn't pull out the win. I'm upset, you know, I didn't pull out the win for him. But uh, he, he's as tough as they come. There's nobody, not Dirk Cutter, after the game. No one questioning Jameis's toughness. No one suggesting that. You know what? Maybe it's better you sit over here, big guy, and watch this 31 to nothing mop up. Or at the time, I think it was 21 to nothing. Um, so I mean, yeah, that that is not the case. He will be their quarterback if he can go. I think it's almost, you know. 
I mean, that would be a good thing if, if you had a scenario where they took him out, you know, because they didn't think he was effective or they thought, you know, Fitzpatrick would somehow spark them, which which would be ridiculous to think that. Um, but in fact, he is hurt. And that that should worry Bucks fans more than any other conspiracy theories they might have out there. He will uh, have an MRI done on Monday that will reveal whether or not he can go next Sunday. He says he wants to play, Rick. That's what he said after the game. I didn't came out before, but I don't think I don't think I missed the game. I don't think I'm going to miss the game either. Although it wasn't like, yeah, I'll definitely be out there. No one said anything after the game that made me think, yes, he absolutely will be back out there Sunday. In fact, if my gut tells me, Rick, that I think it's it's pretty questionable whether or not he's going to be out. No, it just happened. We're, as we're recording this podcast, it really just happened a couple hours ago. Um, but uh, but it's, this is not a case of, um, yeah, he's, he's, he's back, he's fine, everything's going to be good by next Sunday. I don't know that. And I, I think if, if, if he were able to come back on Sunday, he definitely would have come back Sunday. But he was too beat up. Rick, this team comes out, they fall behind 7 nothing. The thing that stunned me, and I talked about this before the game, I was asked about it on, on different radio shows, we talked about it on the podcast last week, and everybody said, what's Adrian Peterson have left? Adrian Peterson, of course, the 65-year-old running back now for the Arizona Cardinals. And <laughs> he came in, Rick, and was absolutely dominant in that first I was stunned by how good he looked. He looked good, and the Bucks made him look even better. I mean, they they the one they're the ones that turned back the clock for him because if you didn't know better, you'd say this is like a movie. We're going to do like a movie on Peterson Peterson's life. Peterson's life. He's going to get traded to the Cardinals, and in this particular movie, he's going to carry the ball. I don't know the first four or five times for about fifty something yards, <laughs> and including like I don't know on the last play, let's let him run twenty seven or so yards for a touchdown. Now, you guys, you extras. Uh, in the Buccaneer uniforms, what we want you to do is not set the edge ever. Let him just walk out to the perimeter whenever he wants to. And then another thing you could do is when you have a chance to tackle him, by all means, miss the tackle. And that's pretty much how they played Adrian Peterson. Rick, I don't understand because up until the first quarter of this game, I thought the defense was the strength of this team. It was only 10, 11 days ago that they went out against a really good New England Patriots team. And I realized the Patriots were missing a few guys, including Rob Gronkowski. But they held Tom Brady to 19 points. And other than the Minnesota game, uh, the defense has played pretty well. Now, you can make the argument that, um, you know, Chicago doesn't have much of a quarterback and the New York Giants at at that time didn't have much of a quarterback. But, Rick, this defense had been really good. And to see what Carson Palmer and Adrian Peterson both were able to do. Now, you talk about Peterson. Peterson, of course, had a huge day. He ran for 134 yards, 26 carries for two touchdowns. And they didn't even – they sat him out some entire series. The other thing, Rick, Carson Palmer, he had his first, what, what was it, 14, 15 passes in a 14 row? 14 in a row. Ended up going 18 for 22. He only missed four passes all day. Threw the ball to Larry Fitzgerald 11 times. Larry Fitzgerald caught 10 of those for 138 yards. It seemed like his biggest problem on Sunday was, which well, wide-open receiver am I going to throw to? The thing that, that just blew me away, Rick, was how bad this defense looked. Yeah, they looked bad, and they were bad. And I think that you know it, it was somewhat telling. And I, I, don't, I don't necessarily know that this is the truth, but I'll take it from a guy like T.J. Ward who said – uh, after the game that, you know, he thought uh, some of the younger players didn't handle the whole, you know, uh, travel plans of coming out here on Friday. You, you got an extra day. Um, you know, you, you basically travel that night. You have some meetings. You go to bed, you get up, you have a walkthrough. And then, you, you know, they had a lot of downtime. Now, they did the same thing last year 
uh, and got blasted by Phoenix. But then they also did the same thing uh, when they won on the road uh, on the West Coast in, in San Diego uh, and in San Francisco. So it's not a different itinerary, but he thought that some of these guys handled it poorly and, and treated it almost like a vacation, like it was too lax. I also think that, you know, Adrian Peterson hasn't done anything for a minute, and he, he really didn't do anything at all in New Orleans. It would not surprise me. I can't imagine this is the case because of his credentials, but it would not surprise me if they thought, this is going to be easy. This is the worst rushing football team in the league, and we're pretty good against the run. I, you know, And they showed up, and they got hit in the mouth, and they had nothing, nothing for them after that. Rick, after the game, Dirk Cutter was surprisingly candid. Well, not surprisingly. So I, I didn't expect anything less from him, but he called this. All right, Will, we got our butts kicked today. Uh, congratulations to the Cardinals. They, they got after us good. And, uh, you know, I, I can't tell you how disappointed and embarrassed I am at the way we played through the first two quarters and first two series of the third quarter. And, unfortunately, that starts, that starts with me. So... Uh, I obviously did a horrible job of getting these guys ready to play because that that was the worst first half of football I've ever seen in my life. This seemed like a team that was outcoached and outclassed. They didn't seem prepared. And I don't know if I'm blaming that on the players or blaming that on the coaches, but this was a defense that couldn't stop anybody. They couldn't cover anybody. Vernon Hargraves looked awful again. There was Again, they had some injuries. I, I get that. But... I'm. I guess I'm just. Blo- I picked Arizona to win this game, Rick. But a low-scoring game. I just had a bad feeling that the offense wasn't going to do enough. But if you'd have told me at some point they're going to be down, twenty-four nothing, and then early in the third quarter, thirty-one to nothing, I never would have believed it. And it's not like they went out against a, a team. If you'd have told me New England's going to get out to a thirty-one nothing, I might buy that. But the but the Arizona Cardinals. This isn't even a good football team, is it, Rick? No, it's not. Now, it's a different football team with Adrian Peterson because when you when the big boy can run like that or you let him run like that, then obviously all the play action works and you got wide open receivers like Larry Fitzgerald who caught about 10 balls in the first two series, it seemed like. Look, I know two things about the Bucks so far, Tom. Case Keenum owns them and, <laughs> and doesn't matter what uniform he's, he's wearing, and they can't win in Glendale, Arizona. Now, those are the two things, as our friend Greg Almond said, if they ever have to play Case Keenum in Glendale, Arizona, <laughs> you can pick the score, okay? Because those, that is the kryptonite of Mike Smith's defense, apparently. He just doesn't know what to do. Oh, my God, it's Case Keenum. Oh, my God, it's Arizona, you know? Um, so I don't, I don't know what to pin this on, except that you're right. It comes back to coaching. Dirk Cutter said as much. Think about this. He said it's the most embarrassed he's ever been in the worst first half of football he has ever seen. Now, this is a guy, as you know, from Pocatello, Idaho, Jim and Barb, uh, who has coached everywhere. Don't get me almost, started. Yeah, almost literally. I mean, whether it was San Francisco State or, you know, uh, Missouri or, you know, Arizona State, all those stops in between in the Atlanta Falcons and the Jacksonville Jaguars has never seen a worse half of football. Apparently hasn't been around Tampa Bay very long. But you better not see it again because what it says to me, you know, they gave him the extra day off. That shouldn't have been a factor. But it says that these guys weren't coached hard enough, you know. And Dirk is one of these guys that's big on getting guys' bodies back, making sure they're, they're healthy and as fresh as they can be. You know what? It might be a little too country clubbish over there if this is the effort that they're going to put forth on Sunday. You're only asking them to go hard for three hours. 
I never thought I would say this, right? That you would say something like that, a little too country clubbish, because it, I just wrote a column for Sunday's Tampa Bay Times about how Dirk Cutter's changed the culture, about he's the right guy for the job. And I still believe he's the right guy for the job. But I'm looking at this team now, Rick, and, and it's this uh, this overreaction after every game. We, we think they're either going to go and go to Super Bowl or they're going to miss the playoffs entirely. But now I'm starting to starting to do the math on this a little bit. They're two and three. I asked Gerald McCoy after the game. Gerald, at two and three, what do you see this team right now? Not good enough. Two and three, we could easily be five and oh. Easily, man. We just, we beat ourselves way too much, way too much. And the teams that we've lost to, they have done what they're supposed to do when they need to do it. But we've hurt ourselves way too much. We dug a 31-point hole, fought back, and we lose by five. We got to do that from the beginning. But he says we're beating ourselves. He's right about that part. Now, they're two and three. Let's say they split with the NFC South, which has turned into a pretty good division all of a sudden. Carolina, Atlanta, and uh, and New Orleans, which is much better than any of us thought they would be. Okay, that's six losses right there. Now, I know this is a game that who knows what's going to happen from week to week. Aaron Rodgers went out today for the Green Bay Packers, and he may not be back. But still, let's just let's just play along just for a minute. Two and three, said he split with the NFC South. That's six losses. Then you got games at Buffalo, at Miami, at Green Bay, home against Detroit, which is a pretty decent team. If they win three of those four, that's still seven losses. That wasn't good enough to get you in a year ago. And that's right. assuming they win three of those four and split with the NFC South. Rick, I'm starting to look at this team. I'm starting to do the math. And if I if you had to set an over-under right now on number of wins and losses for this team, what would you set it at? I, I might set it at seven and say, or, or six and say under or over. I mean, because I'm with you. I mean, and, and the other thing you got to factor in here that we don't know as we sit here, uh, you know, not long after the game is how long is Jameis Winston going to miss time? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, are we, are we confident that, you know, a guy who was in so much pain uh, that he couldn't come back into a ball game for the first time in ever? Like I asked him, have you ever not you know missed a start. I mean, he can't remember missing starts in his career really. And so he's in such pain and it was it was a pain thing that you know let's assume the MRI doesn't show any major structural damage or whatnot. He's a tough guy, but he's going to fly, you know, 2000 miles from Phoenix, Arizona with a sore shoulder. Wake up tomorrow, I guarantee it's not going to feel great. Go get MRIs and people, you know, I know they'll get treatment and all this sort of thing, but on Wednesday if you're the starting quarterback, you need to have the game plan and be out there starting to input it. And if you don't practice Wednesday or don't practice Thursday, you're not going to play on Sunday. So Ryan Fitzpatrick is going to take those reps. And as a precaution, I think the Bucks are going to have to sign a veteran quarterback who's on the street right now that's played before. And because Ryan Griffin is just eligible now to return to practice if he's going to be one of those IR designated return guys, but he still is two, two, three weeks away from being able to participate. So, this thing, for all your optimism of, you know, win all the remaining games except, you know, three out of four and then splitting with the NFC South, we don't know if it's going to get that far if Jameis Winston is truly hurt for a while. Ryan Fitzpatrick, 22 for 32 for 290 yards in the game, two touchdowns, or three touchdowns actually, but he threw two interceptions, and both of them were just awful interceptions. That's what you're going to get, Rick, the rest of the way with Ryan Fitzpatrick. You're going to have some moments where he looks really good. You're going to have some moments that he looks really bad, because if he was any better than this, he'd be starting for somebody. He'd be starting for uh, half the teams in the league, because it's not like half the teams in football have really good quarterbacks. He's a backup quarterback. That's what he is. 
and you might be able to beat a Buffalo. You might be able to beat uh, New Orleans at home. Who knows? But uh, but if you're expecting to win consistently, if Jameis Winston is out four or five weeks with this, and we don't know that he is, but if he is, they're in trouble. You're right. You, you can't even start doing the math on, okay, they got this team, then they'll play this team. If they miss Jameis Winston for a significant amount of time, I think you can just you might as well just yeah i mean look forward to 2018 because 2017 would be over i mean i've I've always thought this that if you have a backup quarterback that um you know has a chance to to play two games while your starter is being held and he wins one you're happy if he plays three games you're hoping he wins one and you're happy i mean you know you're not you're not going to get a ton of wins out of your backup there's a reason why and i know fitzpatrick two years ago you know, did a nice job with the Jets. Um, but he's a guy where everything needs to be perfect. And you're right. You saw sort of – and it's hard to come off the bench cold in a game you're down 31 to nothing, whatever. I give him credit for making plays, and he made some nice throws. But he also made the big mistakes. And because of his lack of mobility, because everything has to be perfect, and he will turn it over because he takes chances – you know, that's a hard way to play football. You have to play around your quarterback, which means your defense has to dominate, has to give you field position, has to get off the field, has to get some three and outs. And and they're just not doing that. There's not enough complimentary on the other side to help a guy like Ryan Fitzpatrick. Yeah, and you have to run the heck out of the football too. That's the other thing. And I, and that's a hit or miss proposition anymore with the, with the Tampa Bay Bucks. Rick, is it possible we're making too much of just one loss? Okay, it's, it's two and three. Uh, you figured they were probably going to lose. Mm, uh, they were going to lose to New England anyway, uh, and then you maybe one other game, whether it would be the uh, game at Minnesota, you know. So maybe they're only a game behind where where they should be anyway. Maybe they should be three and two instead of two and three. Are we making too much of it, or do you see enough problems here that there should be real concerns about what? Aside from Jameis Winston, let's say he's healthy, are there still enough concerns there where you think? man, this might not be a playoff team after all? My biggest concern is Jameis Winston um, because I, I don't know what else you would be that concerned uh, about save of one really stinky performance on the defense. But I do know this, like Quan Alexander will probably be back next week. They, they didn't want to rush him. He has the hamstring, but he practiced all week. He looked okay. They, they just wanted to be extra cautious with him. Levante David made it through the game. He didn't make many plays, but then no, neither did anybody else. At least Levante did strip a, a force a fumble and, and return it for a touchdown, so you got that splash play out of him. So, you know, T.J. Ward played a little bit. They're getting some guys back. But, Tom, you just don't see anything from the defensive line. I mean, their ends are, are just, like, gone. They're, they're not there. They're not playing with anybody. I mean, you'll see the occasional play by Chris Baker – the occasional play inside by Clinton McDonald. When was the last time you heard Robert Ayers' name or Noah Spence or today Will Golston? I mean, these guys aren't getting pressure, and today they didn't play the run. So, I mean, yeah, you know, they, we saw them go out, you know, last Thursday night, you know, and hold a New England team, which isn't great but certainly capable, to 19 points. And that should win you most games, and it should have won that game. But honest to goodness, I mean, they – you know, they have to be better than what they showed tonight. So if Jameis is okay, you could win at Buffalo and everything's sort of back on track. It's not great at 3-3, three and three, but you have all those division games where you can pretty much, you know, if you're within two games, you can determine your own fate. Um, but it can get late in a hurry here. And, and you know, that's that's the danger right now. I mean, they they dug themselves a 1-3 and three and a 3-5 and five hole a year ago, and then they went on an, an improbable 5 
game winning streak, which has only happened two other times in the history of the franchise. If you're relying on that sort of streak, because I think seasons have momentum, and it feels to me like they lost more than a game today because I think they've lost their confidence. And if they've lost their leader and the guy that, you know, we've said forever and a day is sort of the inspirational, you know, heart and soul of this football team, that's an awful lot for Ryan Fitzpatrick to try to replace. That was one of the interesting questions I thought you asked after the game was just what does this do to this team emotionally? Uh, I'm not sure about that, Rick. Uh, you know, he he's not the first or last quarterback that's going to have an injury. I mean, obviously there was a, a big injury in Green Bay as well today. And, uh, you know, injuries are an unfortunate part of the game. Uh, Jameis, Jameis is as tough as they come. This isn't This isn't about toughness. This is about... You know, he, he got a shoulder injury and he couldn't throw the football. He couldn't do his job. So, uh, you know, we'll just have to see. We'll just have to see what happens. Because you're right, Jameis Winston is such an emotional leader on this team, and they all look to him. Ryan Fitzpatrick, even after the game, said that guy is as tough a football player as I've ever seen. And if he can't go out there, certainly it has a, a, an effect on you. Uh, do, do I think Ryan Fitzpatrick can win a game or two uh, if they need to? Yeah, I think he could probably get by for for a game or two. Let me just get to this point real quick, Rick, because I, I can already see the wheels spinning. Let's say Jameis is out mm, a month. They're going to have Ryan Fitzpatrick is going to be their starting quarterback for those three or four games. They're not going to go out and sign Colin Kaepernick, right? No. In a word, no. Uh, and, and I could say hell to the no, <laughs> just, just because I'm that confident that that won't happen. And it shouldn't happen. Hey everyone, I've been on the go recently. Phoenix, Kansas City, Chicago. If you're like me and have a home but aren't always at home, you have an Airbnb. Hosting your home or a spare room is a very practical side hustle. If you live in a big game town, you can Airbnb your place for fans to stay in. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash post. I don't think. Well, I mean, it depends on how long you think that Winston was going to be out. I mean, look, Ryan Griffin's coming back probably within two to three weeks or, or so. Um, and so Griffin, look, if Griffin hadn't gotten hurt, I don't even know that we're talking about a guy named Fitzpatrick. I think Ryan Griffin would be your starter, and I think they'd be okay with that. Again, your backup quarterback who's not taking a single snap in a regular season game, but you feel better than the guy that's playing. Um, they're going to sign a guy, and I don't know his name, but we can probably make a pretty good list here, or at least Greg Allman will for us shortly, of veteran quarterbacks who have started in the National Football League fairly recently, maybe got cut this year, maybe played last year, but they have to be dudes that played. They can't just be prospects. They can't be young guys. they got to be somebody that can come in and in a quick study pinch in one week, if something happened to Fitzpatrick, go in the game and function, right? Because they're not going to sign a rookie. They're not going to sign Cepho Lufau back you know, wherever he is on his goat farm with his girlfriend or whatever they're doing, <laughs> rescuing goats. One of the funniest parts about Hard Knocks that I ever saw. Um, but they're going to need a, They're going to need a third quarterback, and I think you have to bring him in if you're not sure of how Jameis Winston is going to be by Wednesday. Like, if, if he's questionable and there's a chance he can't play or worse than that, you've got to have somebody to back up Ryan Fitzpatrick. It will not be Colin Kaepernick. And I don't think the Packers are bringing him in either. I think that ship has sailed, man. So, wow. See, and I would 
if if Jameis Winston was going to be out for the season, I would be all for bringing in Colin Kaepernick because I think he gives you a better chance to win a bunch of games more than Ryan Fitzpatrick does. Not about football, Tommy. I don't know if you follow well, the story. Well, I mean, I, I know, I know, I know. <laughs> and my whole thing about they, they shouldn't bring him in, I was just meant if he was going to miss two or three games, then I think you stick with Ryan, Ryan Fitzpatrick. But, boy, I, I would – and we haven't talked much about it. Aaron Rodgers is going to be out for it looks like the rest of the season. Uh, I would think that Green Bay would be interested – in him or Tony Romo. <laughs> I would call Tony Romo and bring him out of the booth at, at uh, CBS. But uh, but for as far as the Bucks go, Rick, I, yeah, I can't imagine that they would go out and get somebody like Colin Kaepernick. And if Jameis is, is good, but I'll say this, if Jameis is out more than three games, forget it, season's over. Yeah, yeah, that's that's a cheerful thought. I I, I think that if he's out more than two games, you're going to have a tough time winning one. It's just, it, it's just a big, it's just a big rock to climb. I mean, it changes your whole team, right? Because uh, let's think about what happens. All of a sudden, they're going to load up the box to stop Doug Martin because they know you're going to try to like maximize everybody else. And then you force Fitzpatrick into you know third and longs. Um, you know they still have a number of receivers. I mean, they didn't look great today, by the way. I don't think anybody played really well. Cameron Brait was being taken off for X-rays. It seemed like after the game, so we don't know what his status is. He should be okay, but, um, you know, it, it's it's just not the same. I mean, the, the coverage will be tighter. The arm isn't as strong. You're not going to get those deep stick routes. You're not going to get a lot of the down-the-field throws. He threw one down the field today, Tom, that, you know, it, it was into cover two. The safety didn't end up intercepting it, but should have. And I just – I don't think that at this stage of his career he can utilize – I think you're going to be playing a little more offense in a phone booth if you remember what those were, um, it's going to be it's, or in a closet. It's going to be really hard. I mean, I think the field is going to shrink on them right now. The other thing that needs to be brought up, Rick, and this was something that sort of came up during the during the game, and that is whether Dirk Cutter did a good job, sort of chasing points as the day went along. They were down twenty four to nothing at the end of or near the end of the first half, and they were in field goal range. They had a fourth down. They went for a touchdown, didn't make it, and then. Arizona took a knee and that closed out. Now the field goal was a chip shot field goal. So you assume Patrick Murray consulted with his medium and everything and everything was going to be good there. He was going to make the field goal. And then in the second half, they started scoring touchdowns and started going for two and didn't make three of them, I believe it was. So you're talking about a lot of points that they end up not getting because they went for two instead of kicking extra points. They didn't kick a field goal at the end of the first half. I'm going to defend Dirk Cutter on this though, Rick, because you might say that it's his job to sort of plan ahead and a half of football is a, a lot of time left and you never know what can happen in a half. Just get the points when you can get them. But I, I feel like when you're down that many points that you ju- you're just trying to get as many points. Every time you get the ball, you're trying to get as many points as you can. And that includes going for t- – for two, and I also think he did the right thing going for a touchdown at the end of the first half. I'm not going to blame Dirk Cutter for this, and I'm also going to say that you can't map out the rest of the game the same. It's like in baseball. If there's a guy on second base and he gets picked off, and then the next guy gets a single, you say, oh, that run would have scored. Well, not really, because everything changes. Pitcher throws a different pitch. The defense might play differently, and that's the way I feel about this game as well, that I think Arizona knew what the score was too, and they start playing a little bit differently. I don't think he did the wrong thing by chasing the points the way he did. No, I don't either. And you got to remember too that um, at that point in the game, there was no indication that the Bucks were going to stop them. You know, like they were going to keep probably scoring, and Dirk knew it, and so he had to start 
to try to score seven or six or eight or whatever he could because he wasn't going to have the ball that much. I mean, you know, yeah, if he knew that Levante David was going to scoop and score, if he knew that they were going to throw a, a you know a bomb to uh, what Mike Evans for a touchdown, you just don't know those things. And you're right, they don't play the same way. So, I mean, but this is what happens when you, you know, everything's out the window. There are no good plans. There are no good decisions when you're trailing 31 to nothing. I mean, there just aren't. So I don't blame him for that, but I know what you're saying. I mean, it, it, it is one of those things where you chase points. I don't know that, that Rick, I would have predicted two weeks ago that the team would be where they are now, that it would feel as awful as it does right now. They came within a few points of beating the New England Patriots. And again, I talked to, to Joe McCoy and he said, this team could be 5-0 and right now. No, they, that Minnesota game was going to be a loss. But, you know, the New England game, they could have won. And if they had come out to Arizona and taken care of business, they, they should be in control of things right now, the NFC South. And instead, you're looking, they're in last place in the NFC South. Anything can happen again. I mentioned where uh, Aaron Rodgers, nobody predicted he would be out for the rest of the season. Maybe that changes the Green Bay game later on. Then you, it's hard to map out the rest of the season that way and say, well, they'll beat this team and not lose to that team because you don't know who's going to be playing when. Uh, and But, boy, Rick, this is just a depressing feeling. It feels like the season started to go down the drain today. It did feel that way. I think that the one con, the one again, it, we began the season saying this, and we're going to say it now, and, and maybe that, that'll be how it ends, but it's all about the quarterback, and it's all about Jameis Winston. If Jameis Winston can play on Sunday and be effective to some degree, we're going we're gonna to assume he's not 100%. Okay? We're going to assume he doesn't have his best basketball. But if he, is, if he is tough enough and healthy enough and the shoulder is sound enough for him to get out there uh, and, and function like Jameis Winston would close to normally function, then you know after, if the defense, I think, bounces back and they have a big win over Buffalo – Everything is right with the world, you know? I mean, that's just the way it is in the NFL, you know? The air smells fresher. It's, you know, (laughs) food tastes better, all those things. And yet it all centers around one guy. It always has. It always will. And one of the things that's been a hallmark of Jameis Winston is that he's durable. We've seen Marcus Mariota miss games. We've seen every quarterback, a lot of quarterbacks miss games. And now Aaron Rodgers, you know, as Dirk Cutter said after the game, look, quarterbacks are going to get hurt in this league. It happens all the time, but it they've hasn't. actually been fortunate he that he's missed no time up until it now, hasn't happened to them. Yeah. Thirty-seven in a row, baby, and that's the best thing you can say about a franchise quarterback is that he's there for his team every Sunday. And I think he'll, you know, be blood and guts trying to, you know, trying to make them or allow him to play, short of them being some kind of structural damage where he'd endanger himself by playing. Um, but you know, if he's out there they have a chance. If he's not, they have less of a chance, but the season seems to be slipping much further, much faster um, if Jameis Winston has to miss some time. I'm not saying that if they lose to Buffalo, then that's it. You can just scratch them off the list of playoff teams, but it does feel like this is a huge game coming up next Sunday to Buffalo because you lose that game, then you fall to two and four. You haven't played a division game yet, and you still have to make another trip to Lambeau. Man, it just really starts backing up on you, and uh, – and and at the same time that they they come back they win next week they're three and three and all of a sudden well who what did they go four and two in the division last year not they could I mean I suppose they could do that again this year um, but man Jameis is going to have to play why did you think he played before I I can't even remember this game was such a train wreck I can't even see through the fire to remember what he was like before he went out of the game 
Well, I mean, he had some throwaways. He he, um, they didn't convert on third downs. You know, I thought Cameron Bray dropped one again. Um, you know, so they they moved the ball. They weren't completely you know three and out all the time, but they they'd get around midfield and they, you know they they have a breakdown of some kind. Um, so you know it's hard not having sort of rhythm to go to go with it, and then when the other team is you know possessing the ball and scoring touchdowns and you're you're punting, that's not a good thing. So I, I, it's hard to know what he would have done because he only you know he only played he got hurt with nine minutes to go in the first quarter. He played into the second quarter, won a couple series or one series, but. Um, I I didn't think he was playing awful. I thought they weren't playing great. They couldn't run the ball, which was a factor, but they didn't have many many attempts either. And then once again, you know, you get Doug Martin back, and just like the Minnesota game, you you don't have any you know the game plans out the window. There is no game plan for being down you know thirty one to nothing or twenty one to nothing or twenty four to nothing. It just there is none. So that that's something that they they have to work on. I mean, look. You mentioned the road. I mean, this was a team that went five and three on the road a year ago. They're zero two, and not by a little bit. They're zero two by a lot. You know, they got manhandled in Minnesota. They gave up everything. You know, like I said, I know I, I know that they can't beat Case Keenum, and I know they can't play in Arizona. So I guess they have a chance everywhere else. We will find out more on Monday what's going on with Jameis Winston, and we'll talk about that uh, on our next podcast and just find out exactly where Jameis is. Uh, it may be a situation, Rick, where, where we don't know, where the MRI comes back, doesn't show anything major, but that doesn't mean he's going to be able to play on Sunday. He said, well, it's just pain after the game. He goes, well, it's just pain. Well, <laughs> pain keeps you out of football games, man, and yeah. it obviously kept him out of the game. And if they don't have him, uh, it's, going to be, uh, it's going to be a big problem. Uh, let's move over to college football real quick, Rick. Uh, uh, the Gators lose on Saturday, as I predicted. They lose 1917 uh, to a Texas A&M team that's pretty middle of the road, I would say. And that, talk about losing records. They're about to go to a losing record because they're now 3-3 three and three with their next game up against Georgia, who's looking as good as any team in the country outside of maybe Alabama, Penn State, and TCU, and that's about it. Um McElwain, we he's he's not gonna get fired. Let's get let's get that part clear. But this this team looks and that's like because a, why the buyout's too big and his and he went to the conference championship two years. Yeah, ago. yeah, his buyout's too big and he went to the conference championship games a couple of years in a row. And I think with all these suspensions, he's gonna get a bit of a pass. And he's only in year three. But again, it goes back to whether or not you think he's the guy or not. And deep down, there are a lot of Gator people who don't think he is the guy. I would let him go another year, but. I'm looking at this team right now, and I can't see more than more than five wins. I don't know how to get to a bowl game at this point because I don't think they beat Georgia, and then they they I think they lose to South Carolina. It could come down to that Florida State game as being on whether or not they go to a bowl game or not. But I don't get it, Rick. I think their quarterback's okay. Franks is okay. He's not awful. But every time I look up, it's three three at halftime with these guys. Yeah, they can't score, and that's been the constant. And I'm waiting for Jim McElwain's offense to show up uh, any time now. And as long as you can't score, A&M is not a dynamic offense and hasn't played very well. And shout-out to my boy, yeah, East Lake High, Daniel Camara, who uh, you know banged four field goals, including the game winner. So I, I don't have any faith in the Florida Gators this year. I'm not sure another recruiting class or whoever he has coming in at quarterback, you know, might just light them a fire, but he is probably going to get another year. And I don't see an SEC team that they can't lose to. Let's put it that way. Could they beat 
of South Carolina? Possibly. They're not going to beat Georgia. Um, Florida State could, frankly, take them, you know, in the last game of the season. So, yeah, it's it's possible they don't make a bowl game. I'm trying to think back. Have they won a game yet where they couldn't have lost? I mean, Tennessee, they easily could have lost that game. Vanderbilt was a game they could have lost. Kentucky was a game they could have lost. They came this close to being oh, yeah. winless at this Absolutely. point. Absolutely. And, and, and there's no way that they go into to Jacksonville and beat Georgia. I'm just stunned that you see a team like Florida. I, I knew they they struggled defensive or offensively. I didn't think they'd struggle to the point where Texas A&M. It's funny that you know Ed Orgeron, he's about three minutes from getting fired. Now, by the way, he's going to be SEC coach of the year. <laughs> they go out and they beat Auburn the other day. But Ed Orgeron's about to get fired. Kevin Sumlin's on the hot seat. Stoops was on the hot seat at one point in Kentucky. If you want to get your coach off the hot, the hot seat, Play Florida. Schedule Florida for yeah, a Yeah, and then the one guy who's not on the hot seat is the guy that lost to all those guys on the hot seat. How's That's that right. work? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Um, anyway, uh, rough rough going over in Gainesville. Florida State won. They beat Wake Forest, what, 17-10? It's a win. I guess that's the best thing you can say about that, right? It's a, it's a win. Yeah, was it was it Wake Forest or Duke? Duke. Duke, I'm sorry. You're yeah. right, Duke, yeah. Yeah, you got me confused there because I, I think I saw Wake Forest take them down. But. It's the same team. It's the same programs. They're all the same. Yeah, it's, it's, they're yeah. teams that you never would thought yeah, that Florida State right. would struggle with. How about that? Some school in North Carolina, right? <laughs> yeah, no, that, that wasn't a surprise. I mean, you know, Jimbo's got his issues too, you know. Uh, I don't think anyone's looking to fire him anytime soon. But, um, but you said something about, about Jimbo, which – I think you're exactly right about this. Is Jim, but you can't. It can't just be the quarterback. It's not just you lose your quarterback. Is your team that fragile? Not that you lose your quarterback. A quarterback's yeah. a big deal in college football. Yeah, I get it, it is. But there's there's more to it than that. Their defense was not good against Miami late. Offensive line was bad early. Yeah, it's there's there's more going on at Florida State than losing than losing a quarterback. Um, but they're probably they're probably going to end up getting to a bowl game if they can go to Gainesville later on in the year and beat Florida. Uh, USF, uh, how come am I not impressed? They they went against up against Cincinnati. By the way, did you see the end of the first half of that game? They're trying to run out the clock. They're, you're practically they're, they're begging to go to halftime. They say, okay, we have to keep playing. We'll throw a pass, and then it gets intercepted. A guy takes it back seventy yards for a touchdown. And it turns a what's a relatively close game into a blowout, and USF wins again, thirty what was it, thirty three to three or whatever the score was, and and now they're starting to creep up into the near the top ten. They can end up playing Central Florida, Rick, for like the winner could be a, a top ten team by the end of the year. I think both those teams are going to be undefeated when they play them, and you know, depends on what happens to the rest of the, of the teams in the AAC. But they have, you know, they're all fighting for that one spot, you know, in, in a in a fairly decent bowl game. They're not going to win the national championship, whether UCF or USF go undefeated. It's not going to happen. But the schedule is what the schedule is. But, hey, man, longest active winning streak in the nation now. I think they tied or, or set a record or whatever for the most consecutive games at 30 points or more. I mean, Charlie Strong is so far, you know, doing what he promised. And looks like more than a couple people showed up at the game against a very bad Cincinnati team. Yeah, actual attendance, I believe, was over 38,000, which – you know, if it happened at Ohio State or Penn State or Michigan, people would be like, what happened? Was there a big storm? But, you know, USF, hey, any small steps, fine. Which which upset was the most surprised to you? Clemson, Washington, Washington? It's got to be Clemson, right? Well, Clemson until you – I guess Clemson, but um, you have to understand, too, they lost their quarterback. We've been talking about how important a quarterback is. Well, you, know, you, you saw it on Friday night. 
And it's, it was a, another weekend's uh, upsets. I'm telling you, I, I go into like these college games not expecting to see this many upsets. But this year, for whatever reason, feels like that you, we're getting more and more of them. And it's what's making the college game great, you know. I mean, the NFL is unpredictable to some degree. But at the end of the day, we know the Patriots are going to win the AFC East. You know, um, there's, you know Atlanta's going to be pretty good. Uh, you know, Kansas City's always going to be there. So, but but in college football, I thought that Alabama had, and Clemson and Alabama still has really separated themselves. But you take away that starting quarterback, and all of a sudden a team like Syracuse does you. But I, I still think that Clemson, you know, they lost one game last year and they still made it to the national championship. And if you get the guy back healthy, I'm not writing them off yet. I still think they could be a Final Four team. Oh, they can. They only dropped to like seventh in the polls. They most definitely can get back here. Penn State's now number two, but they they certainly could lose. That's here. the team. Yeah, well, they could lose here. They got three tough games coming up. They got Michigan, then they got Ohio State, then they got Michigan State. Georgia still yeah, has a yeah. bunch of games left, and Georgia's going to have to eventually go through Alabama, even if they win the SEC East. Uh, TCU. No one's beating Alabama. No one's. I don't think so either. But it's a. Uh, it's it, it is it's a lot of fun in Clemson. Even if you lose a game, a few years ago you might have said, "Wow, you lose a game, you really cost yourself a chance at the national title." But those extra two teams now, uh, with a fourteen playoff, everybody's still alive. Hey, I'll tell you who's really alive, Rick. The Tampa Bay Lightning, man, they're off to a really good start, four and one. And what's really impressive is the last three victories they beat. They you know they opened the season, they split with the Florida Panthers, but then they get the Washington Capitals at home, beat them. They beat the Pittsburgh Penguins at home beat them. Now, both of those games, they probably got a little more of a shootout. And John Cooper rightfully was like, what do I care how many goals were given up? We're scoring more than the other team. That's all I care about. And then they go out Saturday against St. Louis Blues and beat them 2-1. to one. I tell you, Rick, you start off 4-1 and one with that schedule. Now they go on the road. They're going to play in Detroit, the new arena in Detroit. That starts a three-game series, a three-game road trip starting on Monday night. But like what I see so far from the Tampa Bay Lightning, yeah, they're playing really well. And I think that, you know, getting off to a good start is important. And they, they went from, you know, I think a year ago it was kind of like win one, lose one, win two, lose two, you know, right, and, right. and just peter around. And, you know, it all comes down to goaltending and injuries. You know, are you going to keep guys healthy? Can Vasilevsky, you know, how many games can he play? I mean, he's given up some goals, but I think the defense hasn't really helped him out much. He's kept them in games. But that's a heavy loaded schedule, front loaded schedule against – you know, the Stanley Cup champions against the Capitals. I mean, you know, to come in and handle your business like that um, is is the kind of start, is exactly the kind of start that John Cooper and them were hoping for. Absolutely. Well, there's lots to talk about this week on our podcast with the uh, with the NFL, some crazy uh, doings in the NFL, but we'll get to that as we uh, as we move further along in the week. Uh, our thanks to our producer, Steve Versnick. We're out in Arizona, so we're going to uh, head back to Tampa. And then Monday's a big day for the Tampa Bay Bucks, Rick. We're going to find out what's up with Jameis Winston, and this might be a, a bigger than any game they play here in the next couple of weeks is to find out what happens to him. Boy, if he's out, Rick, I can't imagine where this team goes from there. Well, I know where they're not going, and that's to the postseason. If he's not playing the rest of the year or something, you know, uh, extended, it's going to be almost, I think, in this division, almost impossible. And in the NFC, um, there's a lot of teams with better records. But that's why they play the games, Tommy. Absolutely. So we'll be here uh, back on Tuesday to give you the latest from One Buck Place and the latest going on with Jameis Winston. So from Arizona, thanks for listening, everybody, and we'll talk to you tomorrow. Swimsuit, check. Sunscreen, check. Phone charger, check. 
Don't forget to pack the 5-Hour Energy. It fits great in a pocket or carry-on, and the alert feeling will help you arrive ready for anything. Now get 20% off when you use code 5HETRAVEL at 5HourEnergy.com. Expires April 30th. One-time use only. Not valid with other discounts. Remember, visit 5HourEnergy.com and use code 5HETRAVEL to save 20%.